Hello, Hello everyone in podcast listening land. I'm Karen Devaney. And I'm Ann Barner. And, and we're, we're sisters. sisters. Welcome to Sugarcoated Murder, where we'll discuss and probably inappropriately laugh about and comment on. Yep, one of our favorite subjects murder. murder. Oh, and we love to bake. And why not combine our two favorite subjects baking and killers? All right, Sugar, what you baking today? I am baking something a little out of the norm for this time of year. Mm-hmm. But when we talked, you told me that you were going to do a really heavy murder. So I, I got decided, a very heavy murder. Yeah, I decided we needed something light. So I decided that we were going to do something I've ever, ne- ever, never made before called lemon bars. Well, it's crazy. You say it's out of the ordinary for this time of year. But for some odd reason, I only make lemon bars at Christmas. How about that? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know why. And my family always says, why do you only make these at Christmas? And oh, I don't know why. I don't either. I think I started out making them for Christmas presents for people at work right, a long right. time ago. And then it just became part of my, I don't know, Christmas baking repertoire or whatever. That makes so. sense, though. I mean, it really does. Yeah, I know. It's just weird because you would think it would be in the summertime. Yeah. So I'm going to stand in here and get together... My lemon bars, and at the end, I'll tell you where I found my recipe. And while I'm doing that, why don't you tell me what you've got on tap for the week? I'm going to tell you about this murder while your dog enjoys his incredibly loud, crunchy kibble. He is a loud kibble eater. And he has decided that this is the perfect time for him to eat. Yes, of course. Okay, so here we go. So, it's September 2008. Um, This is taking place in Maryland in a kind of a rural area. Um... Not so ironically, or maybe not surprisingly, it's a place where you and I live. (gasps) What? Yes. So, um, September 2008, a small girl is walking aimlessly down a gravel road on a Friday late afternoon. She's all alone. She's got on no shoes. Oh, Lord. Her hair is so matted, it looks like she has dreadlocks pinned up with pink barrettes. And she's not just shoeless, she is only wearing a pink nightshirt. Oh, baby. Her nightshirt is smeared and stained with dirt and what is later determined to be blood and excrement. Oh, gosh. I know, this poor sweet girl. So, there's a young man standing out in his yard enjoying a cigarette. Oh, nice. And when I say a young man, this man was 21 years old, which makes me think of our sons because your son is about to be 21. Mine is going to be 20. Oh, my gosh. And, or mine is 20. I don't know. Mine is somewhere close to yours. I don't know. I can't keep up with my children. Whatever. He knows how old he is. So that's that's all that matters. Right. Who cares? So anyway, this, this, I'm calling him a kid. Um, He sees the strange sight of this little girl just wandering around with almost no clothes on and no shoes. Um, I'm not sure what our sons would do, but thankfully he calls out to her. And as she gets closer, he can see she's covered in bruises and cuts. Oh, precious baby. I know. So he says, what happened? And she says in her sweet little seven-year-old voice, my mother beats me. She just beats me to death. Oh, my God. So thankfully, this is a very honorable young man. He's concerned, and he kneels down and hugs her and says that she just stands limp against him. She never cried. But she did tell him she had not eaten in days. Oh, she had just had enough. So this awesome guy, his name, by the way, is Mr. Garrett, which I think he is just an absolute hero. And I think he's he's just to be commended for his maturity in this situation, because I think 
a lot of 21-year-old boys would definitely panic and say, I probably don't want to get involved in this. Sure, yeah. I mean, he could have just walked away. He could have walked right inside. So um, he says, so when he goes to hug her, she doesn't cry, and she says she's hungry. So he says, do you want me to order pizza, which any 21-year-old oh boy would say. Yeah. That solves all the problems oh, in the world. Yeah. Yep, pizza. Let me get you So that. she immediately requested pepperoni and ham. Oh. So she must like pe- pepperoni and ham on her pizza. So Mr. Garrett takes her into his house, wraps her up, and orders that pizza. Oh. And then he calls 911 around 5 o'clock. And while he's waiting for the cops to show up, he strikes up a conversation with the sweet little baby. Uh-huh. He can tell she's been through a lot in her seven short years. Uh-huh. She tells him that her mother had locked her out. Locked her out? Locked her out of the house. Oh, is what my she says. And so what happened actually is this little girl jumped out of a second floor window to escape what would later be discovered as hell on earth. Oh, my God. She's been locked in her room for pretty much all of her life. And she tells Garrett she goes to school, but upon further investigation, it's determined she's not enrolled in any schools or any daycares in the area. When the police arrive, she just constantly says, is my mother going to be arrested? Oh. So she did mention a father to Garrett and the policeman in their conversation, and she seems very protective of him. She says he's the only one that cared. And... Um, he was the only one that took care of her. Oh, her dad? Yeah. Oh. So it turns out she doesn't really have a dad. Oh, man. Yeah. And her mother had adopted her and two sisters. So she told Garrett she had been beaten to death, that they had been beaten to death one day, and they just never came back. The, the, her sisters? Her sisters. Oh. She hadn't seen her sisters in a while. Oh, gosh. So I might have told you wrong you might want to flip that lemon over that would make so much i know it just would and i just am so sorry i led you astray i should have known (laughs) not only never made any kind of lemon bar i know but i should have known i've been squeezing lemons and limes all my damn life (laughs) all right so um she is so she says that her her sisters were beaten to death one day and never came back Oh, so the next day, Saturday morning, the neighbors are all out in the neighborhood. There's crime scene tape that cordons off the front and backyards and a bustling group of cops are in and out of the house. Right. And the neighbors are in varying states of disbelief. Right. Some are weepy. Some are just standing there in shock. No one ever realized that any children lived in that house. (gasps) What? They never saw children. There they never saw any signs of children. No oh. toys in the yard. No children's voices. Nobody running in and out. Oh. They've never, ever known that there were children. Yeah, this is I, your dog I, playing I, with a toy now. He is not. He's just not into this murder He's not scene. podcast friendly. He's not podcast ready. <laughs> but. That's fun. To know us Okay. Now he's got the bat and he wants to play with the bat and his bat's got a squeaky toy. We're going to probably be removing all these squeaky toys yeah, before well, long. Live and learn, right? Live and learn. Life of a podcast. Live and learn. So anyway. The, um, ch- so the neighbors are all around, and they can't believe that there were ever, ever children. They said that they saw a couple, a man and a woman, come and go every once in a while, 
but the man didn't seem like an everyday fixture. He would come and go, but I don't think they didn't feel like he permanently lived there, but they did see him mowing the lawn the weekend before. Right. So, okay. Trout's going to go away. And so, mm, Trout is going to be the next case of child abuse. No, I would never. So, anyway. What happened was, what had happened was, <laughs> Renee Denise Bowman showed up at the Calvert County Sheriff's Office looking for her missing kid that evening. What? Well, they had called and left a message on her phone saying, hey, we found your kid. Uh-oh. You might want to come pick her up. Oh, God. So when she got there, they immediately took her in for questioning, and they questioned and questioned. She finally admitted to police that she had lost her temper with the little girl Friday night and it hit her with a hard-heeled shoe. By 2.30 a.m. Saturday morning, she had been taken into custody and a search warrant had been issued for her house so that they could go find the shoe. She was being held without bond on first and second degree child abuse. Good. Good. So, the police go to execute the warrant to find the shoe that she had beaten the child with. Right. Upon entry, they find four cats and a dog All right. living in the house. All right. That's animals, animals seem pretty healthy. All right. Nobody's out of control. All right. Upon a full search of the house, they don't find any more children. All right. They go down to the basement. Okay. And there's a huge freezer. Ah, oh, Damn. So, the freezer is one of the big chest freezers that you open up from the top. It's just not a good idea, people. Just don't. Well, all I can think of is like the Norman Bates show, Bates Motel, and they always showed that big empty freezer with the light and the basement was so creepy. Yeah, by the way, great show. Love that show, but creepy, creepy freezer. Yeah. Unless you have a lot of pies or a lot of meat, like... To store, you don't need a freezer. Maybe keep it in your kitchen in a well-lit area. So I agree. I mean, why the basement? Let's keep our How about keep it on the back porch? Wow. I don't know, but not in the basement. Let's don't go in the basement. Yeah. So, anyway, they open up the freezer. Oh, God. And they find human remains. No way. So, there's a toe sticking out of one of the... A toe? A toe sticking out of a trash bag. Oh, God. That's how they knew there was human remains. They just didn't know what they had. So, then they have to go get another search warrant to get the freezer. Oh, so they needed a search warrant to get the freezer out of the house. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they take the freezer... I don't know who gets the job of transporting that freezer, but they take it and they look in it, and they find the human remains of two small girls. Oh, Malanta. Turns out these were the two daughters that Bowman had oh adopted. Oh, God. This evil witch. Oh, she's diabolical. So she was still receiving... And she adopted these kids? She adopted them legally. Oh, why aren't you going to adopt people and then just kill them? I don't understand. Well, I can tell you why. I'll tell you right now in this next sentence. Okay. She was receiving a $2,400 a month adoption stipend from the state. Oh, my God. Because the girls she adopted were considered to be special needs. No way. In total, she collected over $150,000 for having those girls. And 
she kept them in a freezer so she could continue to get the checks. Oh my God! Yes. And nobody ever checks on the kids. She was in it for the money. Oh my gosh. So I don't know. I mean, I, their special needs—it's kind of a weird thing. I know their special need would have maybe not end up dead in a freezer. That's a special need. I don't think you should. I don't think that you should need that kind of special needs no. adoption stipend. If you're going to adopt a child out of love. You're going to adopt that child. If they have special needs and they qualify for some type of supplemental income from the state, then you go through those channels. But I don't think it should be, here, take this kid. You get, get 800 bucks. Right. So and there should be about, something in place, like every week well, bring special, the kid in yeah. for some well, kind of therapy, for whatever their special needs is. If they're special needs, then somebody needs to keep up with them. But right. I honestly think with adoption... Even with adoption, I think somebody should keep up with those kids at least for the first five years to make sure if they're school age, they're enrolled in school. To right. make sure that they're going to their pediatrician on a regular basis. I mean, kids go to their pediatrician for shots and stuff even when they're teeny tiny on right. a regular basis. Right. So my thing is... The state should check in with the pediatricians. Right. They should so check in. You don't in. get your check unless we hear I don't we, think we they should them. get a freaking check. I didn't get a check when my babies were born out of my hoo-ha. Very true. It's very true. Like, if you want a baby, get a baby. I don't have a problem with that, but it's yours to take care of. Right. Don't depend on I mean, on this the isn't state the foster money. care system. This was literally adoption. Jeez. So, yeah. But so, through the state. I mean, it has to come through. It's a federal program that comes through the state. So, anyway, they discovered that the children were in blocks of ice. Oh, what? Yep. And their bodies had to be transported up to Baltimore to the state medical examiner mm -hmm. so that he could properly fall them out before he could oh, autopsy them. Oh, God. Isn't that disgusting? disgusting. I would, well, first of all, I couldn't have a job where I had to fall bodies out of anything. No. Like, I, I remember when we had a snake and we used to buy the frozen mouse for the snake because I couldn't stand to feed the live mice to the snake yeah. and even the frozen mice used to give me the willies when we were having to fall them out to room temperature. I couldn't take it. No, you It's couldn't. just disgusting. Yeah. And that's a mouse. It's a teeny tiny mouse that's as big as your finger. Yeah. Okay. And these are babies. These are babies in ice. Yeah. So anyway, so it gets, it gets worse. Oh no. How could it get worse? All right. Well, here's here's the backstory. So Bowman, that's the dialogue, diabolical bitch, was she formerly lived in Rockville, Maryland. Right. She adopted the first girl, one of the deceased girls, in July of 2001. Okay. So that girl had been living with her for seven years. Okay. She would have been 11 at the time she was discovered in the freezer. Okay. Three years later, so 2004, she adopted the middle and youngest children, and they were blood-related sisters. Oh. The middle child would have been nine when her body was discovered, and I already said that the youngest one was seven. The one that was found walking the streets. Yes. Okay. Yes, with no shoes on, and, and the guy gave her pizza. So by the time the trial comes along, this little survivor is nine years old. Okay. So back to Rockville. One of the neighbors in Rockville, in the neighborhood where Bowman and her kids lived, said that Bowman literally moved in the middle of the night one night. Just was up and gone. And so the crazy thing that I don't understand is she adopted all three girls from D.C., oh. not from Maryland. 
So she adopted them in D.C. and then but lived in Maryland. So I guess, but you can adopt kids from a different state. So I guess it makes sense. Right. D.C. officials did say that Bowman met the adoption criteria, and which included a background check and a home inspection. And then they did confirm that the special needs designation means either that the children are part of a sibling set or a racial minority group, have a learning disability, or were relinquished to the state by their biological parents. I don't even, like, aren't all adopted kids relinquished by the biological parents? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends on the circumstance, though. I mean, are you forced to relinquish because you well, go to jail? I know, but it just says if they were relinquished to the state. I guess, I don't know. It, none of this makes any damn sense to me, right. or whatever. All right, so the, the diabolical bitch from hell has ended up with three beautiful babies, of yes. which she has now killed and frozen two. So, the, so okay, and she's getting about $800 a, a child kid, right. a month. So a month. $400 a month. Yeah, for children. Yeah, and I know that house that she lived in in Calvert County, Maryland, and she was not paying twenty four hundred dollars a month in rent. Right. Because that was not a big house, and it was not the greatest house in the world. So anyway, um, the first autopsy did not show a cause of death. Okay. Bowman told authorities she had abused the girls. Huh. She wouldn't admit to killing them. She said the first one died from not eating. Okay. So that little girl. So it's her fault. She was, died. It's her she, fault. Okay, so she would have been 11 when she was discovered in the freezer. Let's say she was in the freezer for a year. I don't know how. They can't tell when the girls were had been killed. Right. She weighed 52 pounds. Oh my gosh. So I don't know any child that doesn't that just doesn't eat. I think most children enjoy eating. So I mean, I think that was code word for I didn't feed her. Right. Or, if, you know, if your child's not eating, maybe take him to the doctor. Exactly. Some kind of a record that says, okay, she's underweight, malnourished because she's got this, or we're working with the doctor on this, but... No. Mm-mm. She was off the grid. So, anyway, um, so eventually she said that the first one died of not eating, which we call starvation. Right, right. The other one, she said, fell and hit her head and then died. Ah. So we didn't like take her to the doctor. We didn't, call 911. We didn't feel like we needed to. So we just put her in the freezer. Put her in the freezer. Okay. Because well, that's what all parents to do. do if you fall yeah. If I hit my, well, you're gonna get a hell of a big freezer for me, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna have to be the size of a, of a piano. I don't think so, because I could put you vertical. Don't. I don't bend too good. It's I'm not very flexible. <laughs> <laughs> so don't try to bend me up or anything, because it's not gonna work. I'll put you down feet first. Okay, that's fine. Just put my head kind of up a little bit. I don't like to like completely flat. No, God, you'll start snoring and scare me. <laughs> All right, enough of me. Okay. So anyway, um, later on, Bowman blabbed to a fellow inmate and said she had strangled the girls. Oh, gosh. The autopsy showed the cause of death. The second autopsy showed the cause of death death was asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. All right. Not asphyxiation. <laughs> The girls did die on separate separate occasions, so but that's all they could tell. So the first one, the oldest one, her name was Minette. Minette? Minette. Like Minette only Minette. M-I-N-N-E-T. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I said, she weighed 52 pounds. Okay. After she was dead, she was wrapped in a blanket, put in a trash bag, and put into the freezer. All right. And then covered with a layer of ice. God. 
At some point, the second girl gets killed. She's also wrapped in a blanket, put in a trash bag, and placed in a freezer on top of her sister, and is covered in ice. So there's a sister, a layer of ice, another sister, and a layer of ice. So this lady's making a human casserole in a freezer. Sounds like it. And it and it gets worse. Oh my God! No, I told you this is heavy. It's heavy. All right. So the two girls were most likely killed when they were living in Rockville. Which what? is in Montgomery County, Maryland. Oh my God! They lived there. When they lived there, so she moved them in the freezer. She would lock all three girls in a bedroom where she had reversed the doorknob so the locking part was on the outside. They were given a bucket for when they needed to use the bathroom. Oh my God! She would beat them with a bat <gasps> and the heel of a shoe. Oh my God! Remember how um, Bowman stated that she had moved out in the middle of the night, or? The guy right. in the neighborhood. Well, she toted her freezer with her. Oh, my God. She toted it first to Charles County, Maryland. And she didn't stay there very long at all. And um, one of the testimonies that I read said something about, I think she had enrolled one of them in kindergarten. And somebody immediately was alerted to her maybe suffering from signs of neglect and they mentioned it to Bowman and Bowman moved immediately and they never saw the little girl again. Oh, well. I mean, here's the thing. If you think a child's being neglected by their parent, don't tell their parent you think they're neglecting them. Right. Pick up the phone and call somebody else, not the parent. Right. I mean, that's so dumb. I mean, I'm sure that person meant well. Don't. They're not dumb. It was just not no, a clear-headed move. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, then she moved to Calvert County, Lusby, Maryland, okay. which is where we lived. She and the two girls were still in the freezer. And she did have somebody help her move to Calvert County from Charles County. And that person had said in the newspapers that there was a freezer. It had a big chain with a big bolt, like the big lock on it. Hello, Red Flag. And she just told him it was just memorabilia and stuff because he could tell there was stuff in the freezer. It was very heavy. Oh, God. Um, But I think this is why they were in blocks of ice because every time they moved, it probably thawed and then refroze. So that's why they were in the blocks of ice and not layered up like casserole. So anyway, she continued to imprison and torture the youngest girl. Chillingly, she also applied for another adoption. Oh, my gosh. She wanted to add a boy to her loving group. Oh, God. This whole time, she's carrying on with friends like nothing happened, life was perfect. There were emails to a friend where she jokes about being the warden from Green Mile. And when the girls would misbehave, she would yell to them, dead man walking, and it would get them in line. And she laughed and said, they hate it, ha, ha, ha. And then she goes, how are you? Did you get your thyroid stuff straight? What? Like, she just was diabolical. Oh, my gosh. So, I I feel like I nicknamed her the diabolical devil bitch. There you go. Diabolical devil bitch. I love it. So, anyway, it's gives me chills because listen to this she was seeking adoption in south carolina she wrote to an adoption agency now this by now the two girls are dead right she wrote to the to the agency she would love to add a boy to her family and was very interested in cameron oh god how he would make a lovely addition to our loving home oh gosh what a freaking nasty devil bitch i can't i just can't 
So anyway, I go on and on about how the horrific abuse of these girls, it was just awful. And, you know, how that poor little girl decided, at seven years old, I'm going to jump out the second story window because that's a better fate than living where I live. Like, what the freaking hell? And that's, I mean, for a seven-year-old to have to make that decision, it's crazy. So the good news is she was very quickly taken into foster care, and then eventually she was adopted by a very loving family that she thank loved God. and called mommy and daddy immediately. Oh, thank God. Um, that family sat in the front row every day in the courtroom in support of her. Oh. So she is a true survivor. There is no question. Yeah. So as for the diabolical devil bitch, hmm. she never cried. She never showed any emotion at trial as the court's recounted the abuse and the deaths of her two innocent sweet girls. Mm. She never showed emotion when she talked about it to other inmates. She is the devil incarnate. So first, Calvert County tried her and found her guilty of second and third degree abuse, and she got 25 years for that. All right, so they charged her for the little girl that's alive abuse. Yes, okay. because it had been determined that those other two girls didn't die in Calvert County. Okay. So then she had to be extradited up to Montgomery County, where Rockville is. Right. Because that's where they most likely died. Hmm. And they put her on trial for the murders of the two girls in the freezer. Oh, Calvert County also charged her with theft. And that stemmed from taking taking lying? the money from um, oh, no oh. she took the money from DC after the girls oh, were dead. Oh, gotcha. So okay. they charged her for theft. I would think it would be defrauding the government, but whatever. I don't know the I don't know the laws. I guess whatever sticks, right? Yeah, I guess whatever sticks. So anyway, so then she went on trial for murder, and do you know that sweet little girl got right up on that stand and testified against her? Good for her. She calls her my ex mother. She will not call her by name. And when the defense attorney said, why do you refer to her as that? And she said, I don't ever want to say her name. Oh, gosh. So there she sits in a little red dress, oh. hugging a little Valentine's teddy bear that her dad had given her, her, her new daddy oh. had given her. And she talked about how she and her sisters were choked out by Bowman on a regular basis until they passed out. Oh, my goodness. And how they were rarely fed, but they mostly ate cat food. So she didn't even oh feed Oh, my them. God. She did mention that when the when the mom would be gone overnight sometimes, this person that she called her father would stick a pizza. He would order a pizza and stick it in the room. And they could eat the pizza. And he would let them eat the pizza, but only when that woman was not there. Oh, my gosh. So um, they, they never charged him in being involved in any of this. Right. Um. I just think. So he knew what was happening, but he got away with it. I just don't think that he understood the entirety of what was happening. Right. And, but to me, if you've got to unlock a door from the outside and push a pizza through the door to three starving little girls who you never, ever see. Yeah. Then you might want to call somebody. You might want to call somebody or you might want to bring it up to the woman that you're boinking. Right. I mean, you can mow the grass, but you can't ask why your kid's locked in a room. Right. So that kind of irritates me a little bit, but he's got to live with himself, and he's going to have to talk to God about that. Yeah. So I'm not going to worry about him. So anyway, when the when one of the attorneys was asking her about the abuse, they said how often did the choking happen, and she flatly with no emotion said, so often that I lost count. Oh, my God. This is a seven-year-old. 
So when the when this guy Garrett brought her, picked her up and brought her in for the pizza when he first found her, mm -hmm. she had rope marks around her neck. Oh my God. So this was something that really and truly was regularly done, which makes sense that that's probably how her two daughters died. Right. So she is a miracle walking. Yeah. Well, listen to how sick this mother was. Okay. Her ex-mother told her when the little girls disappeared, she had said one she said her her sisters disappeared from their room and never returned it was never clear if it was on the same day or if it's two different days and this poor little baby I mean how I mean, she probably can't keep count right at this point she's so malnourished right she doesn't know who's in the damn room with her or not and they're using a bucket to go to the bathroom right I mean Jesus so anyway her ex-mother told her when her sisters disappeared she said they hated this little girl and they said she was too stupid and dumb and they never wanted to see her or live with her again oh what a bitch so now we've got some mental abuse going on too i mean i can't believe this woman i hope the i honestly hope the jaws of hell one day open up and swallow this woman yeah because she there's no i can't see any redeeming qualities about her right. none no. and thank god she got found out that little girl this little girl who was seven years old didn't just save herself she saved a little boy named Cameron from yeah. South Carolina she sure did she saved countless other kids that this woman could have taken into her home no question about it she's oh, so brave she it gives me chills and a stomach ache I oh. can't stand this woman so she was finally convicted of killing her daughters and stuffing them in the freezer so she got on top of her 25 years from Calvert County she got two life sentences without the possibility of parole. I would really like to go see this woman. I would like to sit there and look at her in the glass and say, you're a piece of shit. Right. And there's no redeeming quality about yourself. So the best thing you could do, all of society, is just off yourself. Right. Off yourself. And oh, by the way, you may not like the prison food, but I bet it's better than cat food. Right. And why don't you stop eating for a couple of years and see how that makes you feel. Right. Or maybe she should just get cat food. Or, that's a good idea. And let's put her on a diet until she weighs 52 pounds. And then we'll give her some cat food. Because she'll eat it then. Right. It's disgusting. It's awful. So the poor judge said it was the most horrific case he had seen in his 25-year career as a judge. I'm sure. I'm sure that people had to go into therapy after that. So he, he he's a father of three. And he became very emotional when he sentenced her. Good. And he tearfully quoted a picture that hung hung in his office at the time saying, and this is a quote, and I'm going to say it without tearing up because it's hard. Don't say it. Don't cry. First podcast. Podcasts don't cry. Okay, right. I got there it. No tears in podcasts. No. 50 years from now, it will not matter what kind of car you drove, what kind of house you lived in, how much was in your bank account, or what your clothes looked like. Whew. Mm -mm. But the world may be a little brighter because you were important in the life of a child. Whoa, I got it. I got it. So, this was absolutely devastating to our community. I can remember when it happened. Yeah, I and remember. it was just devastating. But I think the most devastating part was that all of her neighbors, and we, you know, it was a rural area, but we, yeah, we knew our neighbors at, at least enough to wave and say hi. They never knew there was a single child there. That's crazy. Never. And that's disgusting. And she fed her cats. And she fed her dog. And she fed her fat ass. Right. But she couldn't feed these children that she was getting money for. Right. And that's why I don't think they should pay people to adopt kids. Yeah. Either you love them or you don't. Right. But I just don't think that's okay. Right. 
I understand. I mean, it, oh, I agree. This was I heavy. think more than anything, because I do feel like that maybe kids with disabilities and special needs might not get the help that they need if they didn't pay out some money to people. But I think I that if they're going to pay out the money, it has to be regulated. That there have to be people that go into these homes on a regular basis. And I don't mean monthly. I mean weekly. I agree, and I think, you know, if it's if it's to go to doctor's bills, then have the pediatrician bill us. Right. Bill the state. We'll keep your account. I yes. mean, accounting is not difficult. Right, right. We'll keep the checkbook for your kids. Right. You know, I mean, we'll give you EBT if you need a little bit of extra money. Right. For food. But this whole, here's, some, here's a check and go cash it, and we're not going to ask you what you're doing with it. Right. That's ridiculous. And listen, I am the mom of a kid who has some special needs, not diabolical, horrible special needs, but he's got some special needs. He's on SSI. Right. And he could, you can get SSI for a, a kid very early in their life if right. they need extra help, if they're special needs. Sure. That's where you get it from. This is double dipping. Well, and two, I mean, she clearly wasn't using money for to help any special needs no. children had. No, her so. only special need was to be a diabolical devil bitch. Right, diabolical devil bitch. And I looked at pictures of her online, and I'm going to tell you, she's just ugly. She she's ugly inside and outside. Yeah. She's ugly, and I, I know that you're not supposed to judge people. I'm judging her. Well, I mean, there's no judgment here. I mean, you can judge, but I'm not judging. Don't judge judging. me for judging. Not judging you for judging. Okay. So let's get. I gotta. We, ugh, I gotta shake it off. All right. Well, let me just talk about this recipe first. Please, because you're so, making me hungry. Right. So when you make a lemon bar, you gotta make a crust. Oh God, gotta, yes. Gotta be a crust. I think crust. that's the best part of a lemon bar. Right. So I found one that was a little bit different from all the other recipes because this one has a shortbread crust. Ooh, I like a shortbread. So you've got bread. a little bit of the vanilla in there. Yeah, I never thought little, about that. Yeah. Ooh, I might have to change my Christmas recipe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and then one thing that I did was I spent a little bit of extra money on the Irish butter because, oh my God, it is delicious. <laughs> well, yeah, and to me, don't don't get cheap butter. Don't get cheap butter. Oh, wait, let, let me clarify. If you're baking for people that you love. Right. Don't get cheap butter. Right. If you are baking to take shit into a cover dish right. at your work and you just don't really like everybody there, just go get the cheap ass butter. Yeah, cheap ass butter. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. If you're doing a bake sale, like to raise money for somebody, it's just the neighborhood people coming, just get the, get the cheap ass butter. Yeah. If you are truly making this as a gift of love to your, well, mainly to yourself and to your family, don't get the cheap butter. Do not. Don't get it. Do not. No, because I can taste it when it's cheap butter. Yeah. Or butter that's just been sitting around for a while. Yeah, like it that. Like old refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you might need another thing of baking soda in your refrigerator. <laughs> exactly. That I know you have three, but you might need a fourth. Holiday, <laughs> bake something, you go and you're like, okay, this looks really good. I'm going to eat it. You take one bite and it's like, oh, damn it. I just tasted everything in your refrigerator. <laughs> you can just kind of step out. So you're going to do your shortbread crust, which is relatively easy to do. You just flatten it out in a pan. And this recipe says to put parchment paper down so that it's easier to get the bars out to cut them. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. And then that you do your filling. So the filling, you do, you know, everything. Here's my thing about lemon bars, why I don't make them, and I'm very picky about them. 
I don't, I'm always worried because there's so many eggs in the recipe that when I pour the mixture over the crust, because you got to do it warm, that's going to scramble my eggs. It's not. So, and I've tasted some it tastes where it like tastes like eggs. I don't like that. I want to taste the eggs in my lemon bar. It's not an egg bar. It's a lemon yes. bar. But I will tell you that it, when I make them for my Christmas repertoire, mm -hmm. I usually get my eggs close to room temperature. I'm trying to think of any time in my life where you have brought me freaking lemon bars <laughs> for Christmas. I know. Well, shut up. It doesn't make sense to bake you shit because you bake too and you bake good and you bake as good as me and uh, not better. Excuse me. We both know that when you bake for people, it's your way of showing love. So you're going to have to show me some Christmas love this I'm time. I'm going to show you some. I'm going to do it. This time around. This time. So. Remember when I used to get you to make my Christmas cookies for my Christmas Oh my cookies. God. Here's what she would do. She's brilliant. <laughs> well, I would brilliant. go out. Well, I would go away for the weekend for my anniversary with my husband. Yes. And I would say, here's the recipe. And oh, here's my child. Right. Here's my child for the weekend, right, to entertain your child. Because our kids are seven months apart. Yeah. And, um, and then she'd be like, oh, my God, I don't think I'm going to have time to do this. And she would have me making hundreds of freaking cookies. Yeah, I think the least her husband, amount that we did was six dozen. Right, because her husband was a teacher. And, and then, you know, they had to be... Tested with sparkly sugar and these oh, yeah, teachers. It had to be and, oh my god! <laughs> so she'd come home, you know, to pick up her son from her weekend with her husband. Yay! Her love weekend, and I would be freaking exhausted. <laughs> my kitchen would look like it had exploded Christmas, and then she would take all the damn cookies with her and leave me not. Uh, hey, listen, you should have put some aside for your own self. Oh my god. Live and learn. That doesn't happen anymore. It does not happen anymore. It took her about three years to stop that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then I switched over and became the crazy church lady. Who yes. Who you made, made pumpkin bread yes, for all the new cookies in church. That yes, doesn't happen anymore either. No. You live and learn, sugar. You live and learn. You live right. and learn. So. All right. So I guess my lemon bars are in the oven. Perfect. You got the timer set? I got the timer set. All right. Let's hear your murder. And I've got a murder. You got and a murder. I got a murder on my murder. hands. I'll be, uh-oh. And, and your dog. Your, I almost called him your son. I might as well call him your special needs. My special son. needs son, right. Yes. Trout. Trout, the dog. I don't know what you want. You've got all the <laughs> here, and every time I try to get one, you bite me. I think he might have a murder to talk about. <laughs> he is a diabolical murderer. All right. Okay, go. You guys are going to have to settle down. Settle down. You might have to move somewhere or hold him. Pick him up. Okay. So... I had a really hard time finding a murder because I started reading about murders and I'm very empathetic, so I got really sad about a lot of them. I know it's no, hard. It's it. really hard. But then we met a friend for breakfast this morning, and she. Oh, we about, love her. Her name's Andrea. Yeah, we love you. And she talked about somebody oh, who lived across the street from her. I don't know what to do with your dog. You're just gonna have to pick him up. He won't let me. That's the craziest part. He is a 14-pound dog. He's vicious. He won't let you. He won't let me. <laughs> Here, come see your mother. Do not let him have a toy. Okay, focusing on murder. Okay, so this lady's name was Mary Lynn Witherspoon, and she lived here in Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. Right. Mary I didn't Lynn know we had Witherspoons we here in South Carolina. Seriously, Shola, you've got to do some I surgery on these. I specifically told you not to give him a toy. I know. Specifically. I said, do not give him a Tell toy. Tell me about the Witherspoon. So you give him a toy and you've thrown it and gotten him excited, and all you need to do is pick him up. People don't let me. Just continue with the Witherspoon. All right. So poor old Mary Lynn. 
I mean, she wasn't old. She was 53. And to be quite honest oh, with you. Oh, she's younger than me. She's quite young. Yeah, she's quite young. <laughs> <laughs> she was 53-year-old French teacher at a local Aww. school named Charlestown Academy. Aww. She was the epitome of Southern Belle. She grew up. She won beauty pageants, got straight A's, and graduated high school as the valedictorian of her class. Did you mean epitome? Epitome. No, mm-mm, that's a word, epitome. Do we need to look it up? No, let's look Would it up like right now. Would you like me to Google No, it? I got it. I, I got I've it. always called it epitome. Well, I think that's a separate word. No, mm-mm, that's the same thing. Okay, whatever. whatever. All right, just go ahead. Would you murder? Epitome, epitome, whatever you want to call it. She was right, good at it. Grandma queen. Anywho, um, she married a doctor. She had one, one child, Jane, and they lived happily for a while and then Mary Lynn was unhappy and got divorced. It happened. So she and her doctor husband got divorced. Well, I hope she divorced well. She probably did. Okay. She lived down on Trad Street in Charleston. Okay. And those houses are beautiful. Old Charleston okay. houses. All Very right. touristy so she area. Must have I believe she well. did well because I don't think that they pay all that well as French teachers even at private school. No can't imagine. Anywho, so, um, but once she was back on the market, she had plenty of suitors. Plenty Ooh. of suitors. Mm. One in particular. Was she 53 at this point? So, no. At this okay. point, she so it was an 81. I was trying to just see. It. She was born in 1950. Do the math. Okay. Okay? Yeah, I gotcha. Okay, so, Mary Beth. No, Mary Lynn. My God, get it right. <laughs> Anywho. So she meets this guy, and his name is Edmonds Brown the Third. Edmonds. Edmonds. Yes, Edmonds That's Brown. Very hoity-toity name. Yes, he. It was a. He was a member of one of Charleston's oldest families. Father of two, and his wife just up and left him one day. Oh. Up and left. Well, him. I smell a rat. Well, I mean, I think it's lemon bars, but you can call it no. if you want. <laughs> Right. your lemon bar smell like a rat. Well, then you don't get any. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So anyway, Edmonds has um, two children, and one of them, Tenant. Tenant, right? Interesting southern name. Tenant. tenant. Yes, like a tenant at a house. Tenant. Like tenant. Tenant. T-E-N-N-E-N-T. Tenant. I never heard such a name. All right. Well. That's who he was. People are he way was above my pay grade. At the time, this was in 1981, so he was 10, and he had a sister, Molly. He was about two Molly. years younger. So Edmonds was smitten. He was head over heels in love with Mary Lynn, and also just absolutely adored Mary Lynn's daughter, Jane. Jane. He was so loved that he proposed to Mary Lynn over the course of over the course of eight years, every single year. He proposed to and her. she held out and she said no because she married she divorced well well and <laughs> she loved him but during their relationship she kind of felt like there was something really off with her with his kids both so, of them well rep- that's the way it was reported okay there was something off with the kids now we don't know a lot about whatever happened to Molly uh-huh. the focus is going to be on tenant Tenant, who's ten. Tenant, who is Weirdos. ten. Weirdos. Right. So during the course of the relationship, Tenant was, you know, really liked Mary Lynn. Just seemed to be obsessed. The and boy. The boy. Okay. And Mary Lynn could see that he was troubled. Oh and dear. 
Um, she tried very hard to befriend him, but he was just off. It just became really, really, really difficult. So by 1988, Mary Lynn said, I can't. I can't do it anymore. She's called it quits. I can't. Right. And Tennant was upset about the breakup. Wait, Tennant was upset? Tennant. No. Yeah. I'm sure Edmonds? Edmonds was sad, but evidently it hit Tennant really hard. Okay. He just couldn't stop hanging around. Okay. Right. So he started stalking her. Oh, my God. Um, and he kept up with her. He stalked her so much that she actually left Charleston for a little bit. And he knew exactly where she was the whole time <gasps> she was gone. And this is before computers. Right. Right. So this is 1988. I mean, he didn't have a GPS tracker. Right. How, well, how did he do that? I don't know. I think he followed her. I don't oh, know. That's so weird. I hate to speculate, but... Uh, yeah. Well, that's what we do. Shit speculate. was crazy! <laughs> anyway. You'd be crazy. <laughs> so in 1989... I mean, crazy is not the greatest word. that We're not supposed to use that word now, so... Mentally challenged. Whatever it was, he was crazy back then, but we would call him maybe something else today. Okay, special needs. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's 1989. Mary Lynn is off visiting with her mother. She and her mama go take a nice little walk. It's a beautiful day. They take a walk. But she lived back in Charleston? No, no, no. she was somewhere out of town. Okay. Um, So they take a walk. They get back to the mama's house. And something just kind of seems not right. And uh, Mary Lynn goes into her bedroom and notices that somebody has gone through her suitcase and stolen her makeup and some of her clothes. But nothing else was disrupted in the house. What? Right. So Mary Lynn's mother immediately says, I know who did this. It was Tennant. I know it was Tennant. And she picked up the phone and she called him. And she said... She called Tennant? She did. And berated him over the phone. Just said, "How? who do you think you are? You can't just come into my house oh my and do what you want. Right. So the mother and Jackie's family... I'm not Jackie. Excuse me. Mary Lynn's sister, Jackie. Jackie. I'm sorry. Mary Lynn has a sister named Jackie. All right. They said, you need to call the police and report this. And Mary Lynn said, you know what? He's just a trouble boy. I don't want to cause a lot of commotion. I am not going to call the police. So she didn't. She didn't. She didn't call no police. She didn't call the police. No popo. She did not call the police. So um, she was spooked, you know. Oh, my God. I would have been so creeped out about that. She felt violated, but she didn't press charges, and she returned home to Charleston. So... She constantly was living her life on high alert, always looking over her shoulder. That's awful. Yeah. And, and was then, her daughter around? So her daughter um, lived, I'm assuming she went to college somewhere, but oh, okay. she eventually lived about two hours away. Okay. So um, it doesn't right. tell me exactly where she was. And all of this I got from, a, there was a Dateline um, fatal attraction Ooh. on this on this whole murder. Okay. That's where I'm getting all of my information. So, okay. Um, all of a sudden, in 1991, Tenant Brown disappeared. Oh. She just stopped seeing him. She was like, okay. I mean, did she ever call Edmonds and say, where your son at? No. Oh, my God. She didn't. She just... Well, you know, people in the South don't. Want I know to we disturb. don't want to get involved. We don't want to disturb people or right. ruffle any feathers or appear to be nosy. Right, or, right. I get it, but dang. 
Right. And she thought it was strange. Um, a year went by. She didn't see him. She was like, all right, that's really weird. Two years went by. I mean, she had to have been relieved. She was relieved, yep. Five years went by. Five years. She's starting to relax. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been five years since <laughs> I saw you, and now right. I can relax. She's living life back to normal. Oh, my gosh. You know, she's living, living her life, doing her thing. So, um, all of a sudden, in... Um, Let's see, it was 1981 when he left, so it's eight years later. So now we're in 1999. Just as quickly as he disappeared, he came back. Poof, he's back. Oh my. He's back, right? Makes you wonder where, where he had Or Actually, it was 2001. Sorry. Right. He came back in 2001, and he was 30. So okay. By the time he's 30 years old, he's been off doing his thing. Wherever he was. Right. And he came back with vengeance. He came back and started stalking her. What? Yeah. And people, Mary, Mary Lynn's friends kept saying, you need to call the police. You need to call the police. And she said, you know what? It's not against the law for somebody to stop and stare at my house, which is the truth. It is true. That is very true. There wasn't a whole lot that the police could do. Now, she did have friends in the police department okay. that she asked to please keep an eye on, on her house. So. I'd have been like, keep your eye on my, myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep an eye on me. Right. While and, I'm in my house. And once he showed up again and started stalking again, her friends actually did call Edmonds, Tennant's father. Right. And um, said, listen, this is going on. You need to put a stop to it. But, but, um, I think these are set. Let me see. Wiggle it. Yep. Um, I feel like they are. Ooh, she's taking them lemon bars out. I'm taking the lemon bars out, people. i got to put a hole in it. So anyway, they called Evans, but, you know, this, this guy is 30 years old now. There's not a whole lot his dad can do. Um, so um, they, um, she's, you know, Mary Lynn is now scared. She's got her people, you know, watching her house. Um and then that goes on for a couple of years. And in 2003, Tennant kind of escalated his stalking. He broke into her house and stole some of her clothes. This is weird with him stealing her clothes. I know. It is weird, right? Oh, it just gives me the chills. Right, right. Ew. He's probably so, like, ew, I just don't want to know what he's doing. Yeah. It's, yeah, he's clearly got some sort of problem going on. So, and the way that she knows this is she walks into her house and looks in her backyard, and he's standing in her backyard, staring at her with a pillowcase filled with her clothes. Oh, so he wasn't even trying to hide that right. he stole them. Right. And he knows that she's seen her, and he just turns around and walks away. Oh, my God, this is really creepy. Right. So oh. she then is like, holy crap. We're at a whole new level. Like, he's no longer yeah. outside my house looking in. He is now inside my house. And flaunting it. And flaunting it. In my face. Right. Like saying, I got your clothes and your pillowcase. I mean, he stole a pillowcase, too. Right. So don't, don't fear not. Oh. Mary Lynn picks up the phone. Finally. And calls her sister. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> honestly. Honestly. What does a sister do when you're terrified? I call my sister. Right. That's the first thing. That's what I do. I've done that before. Somebody's trying to break into my house, and I called my sister, and and she said, You might want to call 911. Right. So, right. Yeah, but that's that's what you do. Exactly what Jackie. Hey, sugar. You'll never believe this, but 
she told me up in my house. I need to pick up the phone and call the police. So finally, Mary Lynn picks up the phone and calls the police. So the police um, pick him up. Go, they find Tenant Brown and they pick him up for burglary. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, they arrest him and he goes to jail. So. In the meantime, the authorities are, you know, have interviewed him, and they're all like, oh, my gosh, he's so completely off. We don't know if we should send him to jail or if he needs to be in some sort of a mental facility. Oh, my gosh. So well, the pick one. Right. Send him somewhere. How about both? Yeah. Do we have something that's both? <laughs> so they, um, well, they're trying to figure their mess out. Mary Lynn calls into this system that she has become aware of called the Victim Notification System. It's also called Vines. Vines. And that's yeah. still in mm-hmm. place now where supposedly you'll you'll register, you'll get a victim ID number, and if the person who has committed the crime against you is released, you get a phone call and a letter in the mail. Okay. Okay. So she's like, okay, then I'm good to go. He's in jail or wherever he is. And they're going to call me if he gets out. So over the next four months, Mary Lynn is like, hell yeah, I'm not being stalked. My stalker's in jail. I'm yeah. good to go. Like, yeah. Good to go. I know where this, this whack job is. And I've been like, by the way, I'll take my clothes back. Right. <laughs> I wonder if she did get her clothes back. She probably didn't want them. I wouldn't want But them. I wouldn't want him to keep them. No. I would That's my thing. I want them burned. to be out of his possession. Right. I would probably donate them. To somebody else, but I would never I want him I to keep them. No, I just don't want him to have them. Right, right. So she's enjoying her life. She's free. She's no longer feeling this big, awful feeling of dread. She went and spent some time with her daughter, who's married. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the fall, Mary Lynn, you know, goes back into her teaching. Remember, she's a French teacher yeah. at this Charlestown Academy, and she loves teacher, and she's beloved. So. Um, She's back to doing that. So that starts off the school year. And then um, uh, November 14th. So you're, what, a month and a half, two months? Yeah. A little bit more into the school year. Mm-hmm. Mary Lynn didn't show up for work. Oh, my God. And that had never happened. So they got worried. And they called the police. And the police went to the house, and the house was locked. So they called Mary Lynn's daughter. And Jane said, oh, my God, I hope she's okay. She and her husband jumped in their car to drive to Charleston. The police say, can we break in the house to check on your mother? Oh, uh, health to the And yeah. she said, absolutely. So the police go in, and they sense that something's really not right. As soon as they walk in, they go up to the second floor where there's a sitting room um, where a lot of people from the South recognize that bedrooms oftentimes had sitting rooms yeah yeah where you could sit and you had your closet your dresser yeah all that stuff in your sitting room i mean it takes a lot to get dressed you need to relax a little in between yes yes you may just need to sit down (laughs) and i will take visitors in my closet but i shall not take them in my bedroom no no no. that's tacky yeah so um they walk up into the sitting room and the closets are open all the drawers are open and they're clothes strewn all over the floor so they're like, what the hell? That's like me on a typical work day. <laughs> right. So they basically walked into my bedroom. 
Yeah. <laughs> They'd have been like, why don't you use your closet? Why do you right. gotta, why, why is there a pile of clothes here next to the closet? Exactly. Um, so anyway, they could tell things had been rifled through. There's stuff all over the floor. Um, and they continue on and they go into the bathroom. And there's Mary Flynn in the bathroom. Aww. She's in the bathtub in the water. She's naked. She's dead. Oh my god. Her feet and hands are bound with tape. Oh. And it looked as if she'd been strangled. Poor Mary Lynn. There was a knife um, nearby, and they could tell that Mary Lynn had been raped. (gasps) Right. So right away, the family is like, Oh, we know who did this. It has to be Tennant. It has to be. Oh my god, chills. So, but Mary Lynn's daughter says, wait a minute, it can't be Tennant because Tennant's still in jail. Right? Because Mary Lynn hasn't heard that he's been out of jail. So, of course, he's still in jail. So, it must not have been him. Right? So, at the scene, they also find a neighbor's purse. And they're thinking, holy crap. A neighbor's purse? Yeah. There's a neighbor's purse. But the neighbor's purse means female. Female doesn't rape somebody. Right. But they're thinking, oh, my gosh. I wonder if that neighbor is dead, too. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think about that. Here I think, and they think that the neighbor... (laughs) Right. So they track down the neighbor. The neighbor has had her house broken into, but she is not harmed. She's had things stolen from her, clearly her purse, um, but she is not harmed. Okay? Okay. So they're back to what the heck happened to Mary Lynn. Um, The police do a little bit of research, and they say... Uh oh. <laughs> it turns out that Tenant Brown is not in jail like we thought. Oh my god. Evidently, an automated machine through this victim service system, whatever, binds, called her phone, did not leave a message. Oh, that's it just a problem. Rang the phone. Right. And because it wasn't monitored by humans, they didn't know that she didn't oh, get a message. Oh, no. I hope they've changed that. So they've not, she, they, she never got a phone call. Oh. And um, they've looked through her mail. She never got a letter. So. Oh, my god. They continue to do their investigation. And the next day, the mailman comes, drops the mail off. And there's the notification. Oh, my gosh. You've got yeah. to be kidding. The, the day, day after, after she got murdered. Yep. So oh. they're like, holy crap. It was definitely. That's why they call it snail mail. Snail mail. That's know. not okay. I'm thinking now text or, you know. Now, I know back then in 2003, maybe we weren't there yet. But now I'm thinking we should get a text. I'm thinking that the it should be on the 24-hour news. I mean, yeah. Like an Amber Alert. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So, How did he get out? Did he escape jail? No, he did not. He did not. He Who the it was determined that he needed to be that he needed mental care. Okay. Okay. So the court said we're gonna send you to a mental facility. Okay. And something happened in the paperwork and they took him to a mental health clinic. Oh my gosh. And they dropped him off. And the people looked at the paperwork and were like, great, you need to come back and report here on Wednesday. You need to be on your meds. Um, We're going to monitor your meds and we're going to do some group counseling. Oh, my gosh. But you can go. He's a complete lunatic. So they have released a ticking time bomb back out into the community and they've not notified his victim that he's out there. So Mary Lynn had absolutely 
No idea. Oh my gosh. No idea. That is not okay. That is so not fair. It's it's definitely not. Um, oh, Mary Lynn. Right. So back then, you know, it takes a while to get your DNA evidence. So yeah, there's a lot then. of speculation. They sent everything off to the lab, but they don't have proof enough to take this person to trial. So what are they going to do, right? They pick him up and they're trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to hold him? Well, when they pick him up. Um, how about with ropes and chains under right? the jail? There's an idea. <laughs> when they pick him up, they go to process him. They take his driver's license. The detective looks at his driver's license and realizes, holy shit, the address on his license is Mary Lynn's address. What? He has had his address changed on his driver's license to Mary Lynn's house. Oh, my gosh. Right. Right. So the detective's like, okay, what's happening here? Well, evidently, he had also stolen Mary Lynn's car and abandoned it a few blocks away, and police found it. And when they open the car, he has a whole blueprint of this diabolical plan of what he wants to do. Like written down? Written down. Written down. While he was in jail, he kept journals. And he wrote everything down in these journals. But prisoners have rights. No, no. This is where I have an issue. (laughs) Because if you are in prison... Yeah. And you have a screw or tin as in tenant loose. Right. You don't get privacy in your journals. Right. Because that's not okay. And here's the thing. If you are clear headed and you're in jail and you're itching to write a journal and you know it's going to be read, then just save your shit from when you're out of jail. Right. Right. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. So he probably had an entire grocery list full of how he was going to kill this woman. Oh, you will not believe how this story Oh, my God. There's so many twists and turns. Oh, I really hope that somebody learned a huge lesson and that something changed. Right. Because this is is grotesque. Yeah, it's crazy. So um, while he was in jail, his rights were protected and they couldn't read his journals. Could not read his journals. So, um... They've now got him on the theft of Maryland's car. And that's how they. Can oh, hold yeah. Him. They can hold him. Right. Yeah. Now. Um, and now they've got this whole plot with, that he's this blueprint for. Well, and if the journals were in the car now, they can read them. Right. <laughs> that's true. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can't read them when they're in his possession. Exactly. But. So. um mm. It, they started going over all this stuff, and eventually, um, the true story of what he had planned started to come out. And by the time the DNA evidence came out and confirmed that Tennant was, in fact, the murderer, um, <clears throat> they were starting to really kind of uncover what happened to Mary Lynn on her last day and what had been going on with Tennant Brown over the last few years um he didn't turns out (laughs) turns out oh and just one more little tidbit i'm going to put out there and then we'll come back to it um a couple of days after she's murdered a package shows up they open the package and it's hormones right right okay so they're like okay we're gonna well i mean she was in her 50s she could have been needing some problem is it was addressed to tenant brown (gasps) 
but it was used, charged with Mary Lynn's credit card. Well, right. so, so we're going to set this aside. We'll come back. Okay. So they start going through everything, and it turns out, hold on to your cap. It's crazy. It turns out that that tenant didn't just want to kill Mary Lynn. He wanted to be Mary Lynn. Oh, my gosh. Right. While he was in jail, oh the reason God. that they wanted to send him to a mental facility is because he had been diagnosed as bipolar and he had gender dysphoria, which what does is, that mean? you can't figure out what gender you are. He's very confused about what gender oh, okay. he's supposed to be. That's okay. I don't think that makes people, I don't think it always makes people mentally deranged. I don't think deranged. it does either, but you add bipolar. I mean, I get it. And back then it probably sure. added to a lot of confusion for him sure. because we were not, we didn't understand it as well as we do now. Right. So now we just are like, yeah, I'm sorry that, that, that you're going through that. Right. And you can be op- more, a little bit more open about it. Sure. But yeah. This probably so he had had the, the gender um, realignment hormones oh, sent okay. to this house because his intent was to become a woman and live in Mary Lynn's house. His so he plan, had to have known he had to kill her before those hormones showed up. Absolutely. So this was a timing on his part. All, all part of his diabolical plan. He's a diabolical he devil is. bitch, too. He is a diabolical devil bitch. <laughs> oh, my exactly. God. So um, they finally find out that on the last day of um, Maryland's death that Tenant broke into the house. He forced her upstairs they could see where she had fought because there was some damage to the stairs um he raped and strangled her and then left her body in the bathtub Ew. he then went to the kitchen and cooked himself breakfast oh well you know it does yep. strike up quite an appetite when you rape and murder somebody yep. and then he started the process of taking over her property in her life what do you mean as woman his plan was to remortgage the house <gasps> right under his name what a jerk. As a woman. As a woman. Correct. Was he going to be Mary Lynn Witherspoon? He wanted to be Mary Lynn. He wanted to be Mary Lynn. Oh, my gosh. Right. So he's he's messed up in the head, but not messed up in the head enough to say, I'm going to remortgage a house. Right. Yeah. Oh, my yep. gosh. That poor Mary Lynn. I know. That poor Mary Lynn's daughter. The worst part about it is that it all... Could have been prevented. It all yeah. could have been prevented. What? Yeah. It, it, it turned out that that after his last arrest, when he was picked up for a burglary, that he was assigned to the South Carolina Mental Health Court. His release was conditioned on counseling, medication, and supervision. So he was supposed to go into the facility. Like to stay? To stay. But there was some kind of confusion in the paperwork. And... That's not what happened. Well, yeah, because they took him to a clinic. A clinic is not normally where you stay. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, those people were just like, yeah, this is what we do. You come in, and we're going to tell you when your appointment is and tell you to stay on your meds and come back, and then we'll figure out our plan. Right. But. And then that whole warning system completely failed. Yes, it did. She could have gone somewhere and, you know, gotten protection of some sort. I invited the entire force police force to have dinner and a sleepover at my house absolutely so eventually tenant brown pled guilty well that was nice of him yeah and mary lynn's family did not want to have a trial 
I guess they got that option. So he did yeah. not get the death penalty. Though he could have gotten the death penalty. Though he should have. Right. Um, he was sentenced to life without parole. And in 2005, Mary Lynn's sister Jackie sent a very fiery letter to South Carolina Congressman Merrill Smith, and she delivered it in person. Okay. After four months, Mary Lynn's law was passed. Oh, they named it after her. That gives me chills. Oh, God, she didn't die in vain. No. That law improved the notification procedures, increased victims' rights, and provided stricter penalties for stalkers. Yeah. Jackie stood by Governor Mark Sanford with a picture of Mary Lynn as he signed the bill into law on May 26, 2005. And that that just gives me story of Mary Lynn Witherspoon. Oh, my gosh. I know. So something good did come out of it. I know. There's There's so many topics there that you touch on with mental health and, you know. Well, you know, the state of our mental health facilities and support I think across the nation are lacking and I think we learned that in probably the hardest lessons right you know it's we don't think about it until something like this happens and then it's like we need to fix this but we don't it takes a tragedy to remind us it still isn't fixed yeah so oh lord sugar that was pretty heavy that was heavy so feed me a lemon bar well lemon bars (laughs) are not going to be ready for two hours so what i'm just kidding that's not okay that's not part of our deal no it is not part of our deal they smell delicious um, we're going to put a picture of these up on our facebook group too yeah um so that you can see it and then um oh you can email us at sugar-coated no I'm telling, I'm lying. Don't it's, tell stories. Don't I'm telling tell you a story. story. It's murder.sugarcoated at gmail.com. You can email us and request the recipe from us if it looks like something you'd like to do. And um, I suggest that you also put it on your um, Christmas baking repertoire. I don't yeah. know why lemon bars do that, but uh, people that receive them seem to enjoy them. Please send a lot to my sister because she feels left out, evidently. So, and I guess we're just going to wait for these little things to cool. How long? What are we doing? Uh, Well, I'm going to put some powdered sugar on them. Because that's what you do. Uh Uh-oh. Your your special needs son um, (laughs) says he's not sure he likes that. Um. So mm. they say, and just so you know, this is off of a website called Sally's Baking Addiction. Ooh, um, I have a baking com. addiction. I also right. have an eating so condition. Addiction. Oh, and Trout says he has an addiction too to getting in on the podcast. He wants. He feels neglected. All right, hold him. I don't know why you won't hold the dog. Because he won't let me pick him up. He <laughs> is so confused. <laughs> He doesn't understand that I'm trying, that I'm, no, he wiggles out of my hands. He doesn't, he wants me to pick him up, but he's scared. All right. Well, I tell you what, let's taste those lemon bars so that, and I like a warm lemon bar. I don't mind it at all. Uh, Well, you don't have to eat these. How's that? Hopefully they're done. Here, let me just take a taste. Yeah. Here you go. I'll let everybody know how yummy. Oh, it's very warm. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Mmm. Mmm. So good. That is so good. All right, we're going to hang up because it's just not just to talk over. Stay sweet. We love y'all. Have a great day.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.